0: are delighted, obviously, to be back here in the black box. So please, big warm welcome for her first black box appearance, for Kathy Ayers. I blame my parents for everything. In fairness, I expect my children to repeat this pattern. Still, let's assign responsibility here at the start. My parents made me a traveler. Some of my earliest memories are of camping in the woods, too many mosquitoes, feeding cookies to alligators. When I was eight, my family moved to California for a year. My brothers and I were bundled into the car with a caravan hauled behind. And so I had my first cross-country journey from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific, stopping at a number of points along the way. When we arrived, as we were only supposed to stay a year, Every weekend, that caravan was hooked up again, and we traveled all over the state. But this is not a story of red tides, tours through caves, or camping on the Salton Sea. No, I'm fast-forwarding to when I, as a young adult, straight out of university, with my significant other, the boy I almost married, started our own first big adventure, the European travel. With student work permits, we ended up in Scotland, where we made friends, occasionally drank until dawn, and planned that epic interrail journey. But eventually, the money runs out, the permits expire, and family grumbles of when are you going to start being a proper grown up get a little too loud. We went back to the San Francisco Bay Area. But pretty soon, the friends we made traveling came calling wanting return for the hospitality we had experienced. We picked up Alan and Sarah at the airport on a September day and did the Californian version of that European adventure. Cable cars, sea otters, Hollywood, Disneyland. But I also, crucially, had that camping background and a long history of a great many national parks and monuments. We went out of the cities, spent a long day in Death Valley, and then traveled north along the Sierra Nevadas on Highway 395, settling into a small town for two extraordinary parks, Mono Lake and Yosemite. By this point in my life, I had had at least two dozen trips to Yosemite in all sorts of seasons, doing all sorts of things. This trip was late September and it had been a year without a lot of rainfall. This matters. We headed into the park and stopped at the famous Yosemite Falls, which on this occasion was just a small trickle of water and not the loud thundering deluge that you see in the photos. Being almost broke, we had packed a picnic, bread, cheese, fruit, wine, crisps. We wandered past the now trickle of the falls and settled down amongst the trees. Normally, this area would be drenched with the mist of the falls, and people would have just passed through. We set out the food and began a battle with the squirrels, who had come to believe that people with backpacks obviously had delicious treats to share. Here, I confess, I was raised to be extremely wary of wildlife in general, and in national parks in specific. Early trips to Yosemite had lectures from rangers on how to protect food from bears. I can remember my mother reading a story of a child trampled to death by a herd of deer. She might have been holding a cookie. I was taught every creature in Yosemite expected people to give them food, and that if you did, disaster would follow. I also have a healthy wariness to the common squirrel because I grew up in the mountains, and every summer public health agencies would put out warnings about rabies and to avoid creatures in general, and squirrels in particular, as being potential carriers. I went to university and discovered that bubonic plague was endemic in my local squirrel population. (laughs) Others see cute furry creatures. I see instruments of death. (laughs) We were not going to... going to feed the little monsters, not on my watch. So we kept picking up sticks to throw at the rodents to get them to go away. Their lack of fear just compounded my suspicion. (laughs) We had to throw a lot of sticks, when suddenly my boy held out his stick and shouted, it's a human jawbone and it's got teeth. It did indeed. A piece of bone with three molars, one of which had a filling. We forgot the squirrels and hunted around, found another bit of bone before the realization sunk in, and we thought, we should tell somebody in authority about our discovery. (laughs) We packed everything up and headed into the park visitor center. We stopped the first person we saw wearing the brown of a park ranger and asked where to take human remains. This person was a volunteer, and they suggested the museum. They would be interested in historical finds. We were not convinced. We had evidence of modern dentistry, so we went to the main help desk. After being made to wait while the two employees complained about a manager, we laid out our finds in front of them. Their eyes got wide. A call was made, and we were asked to sit down. Several minutes later, another person wearing brown appeared. He also had a gun. We were now in serious ranger territory. (laughs) He asked to see the bits of bone and then asked us to show him where we found them. We headed back to the falls, past people looking at the trickle, and off to the spot we had picnicked. We all looked around a bit more and found nothing else. He asked who we thought it might belong to. and I suggested a young man. (laughs) He agreed. He said it could easily be someone who had climbed up on the rocks and got into difficulties. He then told us about how many people disappear in the park each year. (laughs) Interesting remain finds and how this was really a job for them to investigate in the winter months when the park grew quieter. Human remains weren't that surprising. Getting identification was a lot rarer. He told us of a group of climbers coming across a full skeleton coming down from half-dome. They couldn't take the whole thing, so it only picked up the skull. When they made it to the valley floor, it was late and the visitor center was closed. They spent the night in the campground, drinking around the fire, skull in a bag, and turned it in the following morning. They never did identify that body or find the remains again. In our discovery, the teeth with one filling might help make an identity. He took our details so that he could let us know If they found anything, we headed back out. Going past the falls, there now was a climber making his way up the rock face, ignoring the trickle. An older woman asked her ranger, was this allowed? Was it safe? Oh, he replied, he won't fall. And then he gave Sarah and I a wink. (laughs) We never heard if they identified the remains. Oh, Kathy! Oh, I'll tell you, it's not like that having to walk around Cave Hill. I'll tell you. Thank you so much. I remember when Kathy uh, told her story on Zoom, and I th- oh that voice, uh, you know that accent. She must have been somewhere really exotic and wonderful, and warm and you know way out west. And I asked her, "Well, where? Where are you, Kathy?" And she said, "Whitehead." <laughs> like, all right, okay.